So in all my time living in the Bay Area, uh, there's one thing that has not necessarily changed, but has actually intensified with the decades, which is the frenetic and sort of crushing pace of life here in the Bay Area. And so culture, kind of like a tree growing up through the sidewalk, gets its roots into everything and kind of makes things bumpy and unbalanced and uneven. And that is definitely the case for Silicon Valley. I think that our gospel reading fits really well with that idea this week. We find Jesus visiting with Mary and Martha, and there's this dichotomy between two postures that they take. One posture is to work really hard and to hustle and to be in motion, and the other is to stop and listen and literally be at the feet of Jesus. And for me, living in the Bay Area, and I've, I, I can't remember the original dot-com boom. That's how long I've been here, so the 90s. I can remember... Silicon Valley being filled with startups. And that has not changed. It's filled with startups now. <laughs> and startups are interesting because they have these starry-eyed, fresh new ideas that really seek to change and shape the very landscape of our lives in some positive way. And they've been romanticized to a degree because in some ways they actually personify that promise that the Silicon Valley brings us. It's this good life filled with innovation and creativity and it's put out by a small group of people who forever change everyone's life for the better. But here is a little harrowing data point for all of you. 90% of all startups survive one year. And of that 10% that survive, only 50% of that become profitable. The very business model that is iconic, I think, of our way of life here is more than likely doomed to fail. In prep for the sermon, I looked through a bunch of different articles about startups, from small tech blogs to big publications. And the one thing that was consistent between all of them was talking about the reality of what's called burnout culture. And people work these really grueling hours and they kind of pour all of themselves into something that ultimately will fail. And from what I read, and I read, I read a really interesting interview with a woman specifically who had done many startups, and it just leaves you feeling disconnected and disillusioned with really the very ideas that you set out to support. And people's lives are really disrupted in deep ways. They give all of themselves to something that just burns them out. And really, our culture asks more of us than we can truly give and gives less to us than we truly need. So we have kind of a mirror in Martha. Between, between Martha and Mary, Martha most resembles our way of life here in the Bay Area. So it should give us cause for thought that when confronted by Martha, Jesus' first words are, you are worried and upset by many things. And I kind of pondered on that phrase a little bit. And I think that it rings true for the Bay Area. I can kind of see the freeway sign as you enter into the Silicon Valley. Like, welcome to the Silicon Valley. We are worried and upset by many things. And we are. People are really stressed out and anxious, whether it's politics or climate change or wars. There's always something close to home. There's always this maybe loss of direction or purpose, anxiety over a job or what job to take. There's anxiety over just simply accomplishing something and having something in your life that's of worth. 
And oddly enough, the response that I see our culture giving us is actually just to work harder. If you just work harder, you can outwork all your fears and your worries for the future. You'll be happy. You'll have all the things that you need. You'll, in fact, you'll even join this pantheon of Silicon Valley greats that came before you who kind of had it all figured out. And I also kind of was thinking about it. Even self-care and well-being has a kind of pull-yourself-up-by-your-own-yoga-mat kind of vibe where salvation is coming, and it will get here, but you just have to work hard at it. You just have to work hard, and then all your peace will, will, will arrive, like a stork holding a baby. But Jesus continues when he talks to Martha, and he says, Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken away from you. And so much of all the things that I've just mentioned that we strive for can be taken away from us. You can be laid off, you can lose your health, relationships can end, expectations will not be met sometimes. You may never accomplish what you set out to accomplish. But Jesus is saying something really simple and I think profound at the same time. He's saying, sit at my feet. This is is the thing that does not pass away. And I should point out that there's actually an interesting aspect to this scripture in Martha because what was Martha actually doing? She was working for Jesus. It was a good thing. But there is something that my spiritual director would, would often say to me, and it's this. He said, we want to be working with God and not for God. We want to be working with God and not for God. We have a God who wants us to rest and enjoy creation and to not, not be burdened and destroyed by the things that we're engaging in. And then on the other hand, we have a culture that says that we're only as good as what we do and how much we produce. And I don't really know how else to say it, but that mentality is just antithetical to the way of following Jesus. It just does not match up. You can't serve two masters. And the want to achieve and to accomplish and to make things happen is is actually a good thing. It's a really, really good thing. We bear the image of God, and in that way, we work and we create and we expand, and we put life into places where there wasn't life before. But like all good things, the accuser Satan, or even just mankind, good old mankind, can begin to twist that very thing and and turn it into something that ultimately can be used for evil. And I don't know if any of you are excited about the new Lord of the Rings TV show on Amazon Prime, but I am. Um, I'm very much looking forward to it as a Tolkien fan. And one big thing that Tolkien fans, including myself, are looking forward to in in this new series that they're releasing, which takes place thousands of years before Lord of the Rings, is how they're gonna handle the orcs. And if you don't know what an orc is, come talk to me after service. Uh, But they are these kind of disgusting, debased sort of goblin creatures, and they relish in pain and violence and destruction, and they're essentially just evil, right? They're the evil bad guys in the books. Well, the reason that people are really kind of riled up about, like, how are they going to handle the orcs is because they have a really interesting history in Tolkien's lore. Early on in the Middle Earth history, orcs were actually once elves. And elves, of course beautiful sort of creative immortal race that God created to populate Middle-earth in Tolkien's mythos. But the powers of evil, they captured the elves and they twisted them and turned them to evil. They turned them from good creations into monsters. Something that was so good and beautiful ultimately became a curse on the land. And something good like work has been taken by the hands of the culture and has been turned into something ugly and destructive. And even though not all of us are in those particular contexts of being in a startup or in tech, the point that I'm trying to make is that we are not fireproof when it comes to culture. 
There's a cultural influence that surrounds us. It's everywhere. And you don't have to go far through Scripture to see how the Israelites or the apostles or the early church were dealing with the onslaught that culture brought their way. They were pressured to worship other gods or to forsake what Yahweh had asked of them. In fact, Scripture, in Scripture, God set out these jubilee laws, which were really based around Sabbath and rest and renewal and redemption. You know, people were to release slaves. They were to let the land rest after a certain amount of, of farming. And they were to give back the land that they had bought to the original odor, uh, owner. Maybe there was an odor as well, I'm not sure. Maybe that's why they gave it back. But all of it was really meant to create this cycle of rest and renewal. But the Israelites never actually did that. <laughs> they never followed through on those things. They were too busy trying to look like the cultures and the nations around them. They're too busy trying to make a kingdom. So I see that the culture here does have this trickle-down effect on us. And like that sidewalk example I gave earlier, we may not see the trunk of the tree, but we can definitely feel and see the roots of the tree. But ironically, it actually takes a different type of hard work and awareness to navigate culture wisely, and ours is one that requires us to keep our wits about us in some ways. And Jesus says something interesting in Matthew 10, 16, that I think we would be wise to remember in our own cultural context here. He said this, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. And that always felt kind of weird to me to hear Jesus ask us to be as shrewd as snakes. <laughs> but the more that I think about it and the longer that I've lived here in the Bay Area, I'm like, yeah, there's some wisdom there. We have to have our wits about us. We have to have our heads on a swivel a little bit when living here in the Bay Area or in really any big metropolitan area or really just in life. Never mind, I take that back. Just in life. But Jesus does offer us that better way, a way that is rooted and centered on him. He is the trunk, and we are the branches to that trunk. We get so fooled into thinking that the way out is to work harder and that the way is to hustle, and that the way out is to produce. But Jesus says to slow down and to choose the things that cannot be taken away, those eternal things which he offers. When Jesus meets the woman at the well, he offers a water of life, a water that quenches all thirst in life, something that can't be stolen, and he is offering us that too. So just to be clear, before any of us like quit our jobs and become Jack Kerouac for a season, I'm not saying to go full-blown hippie. I'm just saying that you would be surprised to find that the best response is not to make a spreadsheet. It's actually to center yourself on Jesus, to just cut out the noise and to sit at his feet. So I want to offer two new, hopefully for us, potential practices in just our day-to-day -day lives that I've found really helpful over the years. And I hope that they'll be helpful for you as well. So the first is just to choose a healthier rhythm each day, one that will orient us away from the gods of Silicon Valley and back to the true God, back to our prince of true peace, the Jesus. And it's simply this. Twice a day, I just want you to find 15 15 minutes. Maybe don't watch two YouTube videos or something and just sit for 15 minutes and find a place or somewhere that is away from people, from friends, from family, away from coworkers, maybe we're away from just noise and find a place to just simply be silent with God. Just simply be. You don't have to have words. You don't have to have an amazing devotional you don't even have to have a, a head full of theological truths. Just simply sit with God. 
show up for God and wait in that peace. Because sometimes we think of prayer as having to have some kind of formulaic or sort of contractual nature to it. It's like, well, if I ask God for this thing, then God gives me this thing. And, you know, if I just think the correct thoughts, then it will happen. And, you know, if I pray the right prayer with a lot of really good words, then God's going to show up in, in power and force. And it's often like Martha, based on us wanting to work for God, we want to show up for God, and that is not a bad thing. But I have full faith that if you spend some time in that practice, where you just practice silence with God and just wait on God for a short period of time, you will hear something in your heart rise up. You'll hear God bring something to light that he may want you to hear that you can't hear in the midst of the hustle and the craziness. How much harder will it be for culture to trick us or to have us buy into all the illusions that it spins when we have our minds centered and balanced on Jesus. We not only develop and form our spiritual lives through prayer, but it also strengthens our minds and our souls against what the world would seek to take from us. So if that is a small starting point, I want to give an option that is a bit more robust what I want to offer is an invitation to join me on a new journey and a kind of new Sabbath practice for the weekends. So I am speaking from personal experience here, but I find that my phone is actually the biggest culprit in my life when it comes to being uh, anxious or just, just generating hustle and busyness. It's where I feel the most pressure to go, go, go. You've got your 24-hour news cycle, which is anxiety-inducing, to say the least, sometimes. And it's at your fingertips at any moment. You know, I can check several email accounts at any time. Social media is there, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, whatever, whatever, whatever your poison is. And not to mention, you're just getting texts and calls all the time, even if it's a telemarketer. You know, you're still just picking up your phone. It, you're just glued to it. I mean, there's all kinds of statistics about how long people spend the time on phones, and I'm not going to quote them because they're all so random, but it's hours. I'll just say that. It's hours of time. So I took a really intentional move a few years back um, to unplug from my smart device for the weekends. And so I was really convicted by this idea that Jesus says that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So I really wanted to live into that in some substantial way. And so I thought about it and, and it felt like it was my phone. So I went and I purchased a feature phone. Do you guys remember feature phones? Yeah, I remember them because I'm using one right now. <laughs> So if you don't know what that is, it's essentially a dumb phone, right? It's a flip phone or something that you, you can pretty much only call. Texting is a nightmare. It's absolutely horrendous and slow, but that is a really good thing. And during the week, I totally use my smartphone for work or whatever else. I do need to use it for work. But then starting at 5 p.m. on Friday, I swap the SIM card out of my smartphone and I put it into my feature phone for the weekend. So for the weekend, I'm unplugged from social media. I'm unplugged from the internet. I don't have access to my emails. I can't download cool apps. Uh, I cannot check Wikipedia when I want to seem really smart in a conversation. <laughs> and I have to say that it has been a massive life changer for me. It really has. I don't know about, about you, but it has been for me. Um, it's not a magic pill or a silver bullet, but the juxtaposition is really palpable. It's a really good thing. And it's, it's kind of like a back brace in some ways. It really does hold me to a posture that is helpful. I can't get caught in the news. I can't get caught in all those things. So really to sell this idea, I want to put my phones where my mouth is. And I have here with me actually today two of my older feature phones. 
which are up for grabs today. First come, first served. So during the service, in our time of reflection, um, I really do, I invite you to pray and to consider what I've shared today. And if you feel a tug on your heart or you're just looking for a change in rhythm, come talk to me and I would be happy to give you one of those phones for free to take and to use and I can walk you through the whole, the whole deal. You know, and if I run out, I hope I run out, uh, I can show you how to purchase your own for, for less than $100. That's less than $100 I've ever spent. But I also want to be clear, this is not an easy practice, actually, right? It's a discipline. In fact, compared to just having a smartphone on hand, it's initially more work to get rolling with it, and it takes a bit of getting used to. But like many of the things that Jesus asks of us, it's a journey, ultimately it's a journey of trust and obedience, to trust that Jesus does have that better thing that cannot be taken away, that the Sabbath rest that is talked about so much is the better thing for us. It takes faith, it takes hope, it takes good things, but it takes work. The Desert Fathers were early Christians who retreated to the desert to spend time in monasticism and contemplation. And in some ways, they, they actually kind of reverted to the feature phone of their day by just retreating to the desert to get away from the cities. You know, this was a time when the church looked so much like culture, it was really hard to separate the two. And there's a rather famous uh, early desert father called Abba John, and there's a really interesting story about him that was uh, a great encouragement to me when I began the journey of trying to get unplugged. And it goes like this. It was said of Abba John that he withdrew and he lived in the desert at Cetus with an old man of Thebes. His Abba, taking a piece of dry wood, planted it and said, water it every day with a bottle of water until it bears fruit. Now the water was so far away that he had to leave in the evening and return the following morning. At the end of three years, the wood came to life and bore fruit. Then the old man took some of the fruit and carried it to the church, saying to the brethren, take and eat the fruit of obedience. So my prayer for us all is that the culture would look at us and our rhythms of rest and say, there is something different about those Christians and how they live their daily lives that we would actively resist the rhythms that the world throws at us, that we would choose into the rest and the life that Jesus offers us by simply sitting at his feet, that we would not conform our lives to look like the culture, but that we would be a beacon of hope and light and Sabbath rest to the world around us. Amen. Thanks for being with us online in the Sermon Podcast. To find out more about Holy Trinity Silicon Valley, head to www.holytrinitysv.org.